Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to worship and to look at your look, look at your word and be taught from it. And we lift up all those that aren't here today, Lord. We lift up Amy as she's on her on her camping trip. We lift up Judy as she's on her way to Northern California, that you give her traveling mercies. And we just thank you for each person that we have a chance to minister to. In your son's precious name, amen. Proverbs 19, starting at verse 1. Better is the poor that walks in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hastens with his feet sinneth. The foolishness of man perverts his way and his heart frets against the, the Lord. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall not escape. So we'll stop there after these, these five. Better is the poor that walks in, in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. And this is basically saying that, you know, somebody who is walking in integrity, whether they're poor or not, you know, they're they're in a good shape and much better than even the richest person who with his lips is speaking evil, that perverseness, that evil. And we see that oftentimes with people that, you know, they think that they, you know, because they are rich, they can get away with whatever they want, they can say what they want, they can do what they want, and they basically show themselves to be foolish. And, uh, and it says, better, the, better that poor person who just walks in his integrity. Also, the soul without knowledge is not good. He that hastens with his feet sins. And this is that idea also that, you know, the knowledge of God. How are we supposed to walk? And it says the soul without knowledge is not a good thing. And he that hastens with his feet sins. And that's to, to do things without thinking. Uh, people are always doing that. You know, they, they act first. They speak first. They don't, they don't think and God really does want us to take time to think about what he wants us, wants us to do in a situation. And it means to, to think first and then act, to, to go on, because we all know so often when we do something without thinking about it or say something to somebody without thinking about it, it usually is not good. Uh, because if we're doing it without thinking, that usually means we're acting out of the flesh and the flesh is just going to stir up trouble. No matter what, the flesh will stir up trouble. And so we want to be careful. We want to keep knowledge. We want to walk in that knowledge and just be slow and be slow, slowing down and just say, God, what is it that I should be doing? And a lot of times I will be turning away from a problem, not, not getting running to it because the fool likes to run into trouble and put their foot in their mouth because they're not, they're not thinking. And we've all been there, we've all done it, and we'll probably do it again in the future. <laughs> the foolish man perverts his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. The foolish man perverts his way, and that's again the idea of not walking in knowledge, not walking in understanding, and you're going to do things that are sinful. You're just, it's just what you're going to do. And God is saying, just slow down. <laughs> Think, of, think about what you're doing. Quit being foolish, you know, and perverts his walk. The foolish will pervert their walk. They're not walking in the knowledge of God. 
and his heart frets against the Lord. And this means literally that he's angry, he's vexing, he's, he's, um, his heart is against the Lord. He's always angry with the Lord. And we, if you've talked to anybody about God, sometimes you see that anger you know, that, that they have toward the God because he is not their father. He is not their, he's trying to convict them and all they get is the, con, you know, the conviction from him and they start getting angry toward God and they start blaming God even for things that he didn't, that he has no, thing, no, no right to be blamed for. You got the person who gets drunk, goes out and crashes their car and has to replace their car and they get angry that it's God's fault that they crashed their car. And, you know, and we see this often, people who accuse God of everything bad going on in their life when it's usually their fault. And even if it's not their fault, it's still not God's fault because somebody else did something wrong. And we've got to be so careful about this. It's so easy, and we hear it all the time. Why did God let such and such happen? Or why are these bad things happening to good people? And we hear it all the time. It's always blaming God, blame God, blame God. But by the same token, they don't want God to stop them from doing whatever it is they want to do wrong. And this is the problem a lot of people have. They want God to stop all other sin, but don't stop mine. I'm having fun with my sin, but stop everybody else from sinning and hurting people, but I like mine. And they don't really understand that when they're asking God, you know, God, you should stop all bad things from happening. Well, the only way God could stop all bad things from happening is to make us robots doing things his way all the time. And nobody really wants that either. They want God to stop all the problems for other people, but don't stop me from having my free, free choice. And it doesn't work both ways. You cannot have it both ways. And, and God took this upon himself to give us a free will, give us choice, knowing that it could be used against him and against other people. And it does, it does cause problems when this happens uh, because it is such a critical thing. Wealth makes many friends. And we all know that if people have money, you know, if you go to a go to a bar or go to some place where everybody's, you know, shooting up and everything, the one who has the money that can buy has got lots of friends for a short time until they run out of money, yeah. and then nobody wants to be around them. But the poor is separated from his neighbor, and this is the other side of the coin. Somebody who's got a lot of has the money can make friends, but people who are poor and always needing something from somebody gets to be, people just want to start oh, pushing them away. Here comes so-and-so. Yeah, here comes so-and-so. Every, every time they're around, they want, yep. they need or want something. I, had, I lived in an apartment like that, and the neighbor would come up for, you got any coffee? And then five minutes later, you got any sugar? And then I said, gosh, you need some creamer too? You know, and he would, why don't I just come down and drink with you? Drink a coffee with you, you know? Like, and, and they get to the point where you don't even want to see them because you know that every yep. time you see them, they want something yeah, from you. Got any butter? No, all I got is margin. Oh, no, I want butter. You know, I go, geez, you're even being particular. You know, you want butter. Cause, oh, they're baking something, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm going, gosh, it's like you see them coming. Yep. And, and in the first part of this, uh, the wealth makes many friends. It actually is companions. Well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. Because, it, because this is a true statement. You know, they, make, they have lots of short-term friends or companions. You know, it's like, okay, and that goes back to the story of the, the prodigal son. You know, he went out and he wasted his money you know, on riotous living. And I'm sure he didn't, he didn't waste it all himself. He had lots of friends helping him waste it on parties and stuff. And... And we see that, that that is a very true statement. You know, if you've got money and 
those who have money who really want friends and aren't even trying to waste it are always wondering, do people like me because of my money or because they like me? And that's always a hard part when fame, when, and this is the problem with people who get fame. There's always this, why are people wanting to be around me? Uh, you know, they want to be around me because of who I am or because of what they can get by being around me. And so this is, this is a hard thing. But the opposite, if you're too poor, then everybody's like, oh, here he is. I don't want to see this person again. There's five. A false witness shall not go, shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall not escape. And this is that idea of false witnesses. God holds people accountable for what they say. And, you know, and in our day and age, there's a lot of false witnesses. And even in the Bible, there's a lot of times when the Bible talks about false witnesses coming up against somebody and, and uh, uh, being able to get somebody's property because they testified against them and ended up getting them killed, you know, and then take their property. And, you know, it's not, God's not saying that was a good thing. It just said that it happened. And it says God will make sure that the false witness is punished. And this is what we want to be able to grab hold of. And this is where we want to always be careful of. God will always punish in the end. And people never get away with, even though it looks like they're getting away with their sin, ultimately they're going to stand before God at the white throne judgment and be punished. And if they stand before Christ at the beam seat, if they're saved and doing these things wrong, they're going to lose rewards because of all the punishment that they deserve. But they will receive punishment. And the more we can grab hold of this truth that people aren't getting away with things, because so often we look at people and we say, well, God, how come they're being blessed with all the bad things they're doing? And God's saying, no, they're not being blessed. They're going to pay. They're going to pay. And the more we realize that for the lost people, this, is, this world is the best they're going to have. This is as close to heaven as the lost are ever going to have. And if we can be just sorrowful for that, because this, this world is nothing close to heaven, and yet for the lost, this is as much of heaven as they're ever going to see. And we should be sorrowful for that, because they're, they're, they're accountable before God. They're going to have to pay. We're just a speck in the universe. Yeah, we're just a speck, yeah. And time is just a speck. Oh, yeah. Our entire life is just a speck of time that we're going to spend, and we have eternity after this short life that we spend and we choose where we're going to spend eternity during the speck of time that we live in and we make an, make an eternal direction whether it's going to be heaven or hell it's made in this time period right now and we as Christians need to understand that we need to be as out there telling people about Christ sharing Christ with people encouraging them to get to know God because hell is going to be a miserable place and we don't really want to see anybody go to hell at least I don't hell is so so bad that I don't want to see anybody go there because I want to see them grow for it with God I want to see them go to God and be able to be in a good place for eternity and very critical of that for that and he that speaks lies shall not escape. So not only to false witness, but anybody who speaks lies shall not escape, shall not get away from, from the judgment. Starting at verse 6, we'll go for another five verses. Many 
will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that gives gifts. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, yet they are, are wanting to him. He that gets wisdom loves his own soul, and he keeps and he that keeps understanding shall find good. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall perish. Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. So we're going to look at this, verse 6. Many will entreat favor of the prince, and that was true. If you need something, you went to the prince or the, or the king, and you asked for mercy and, and said, I, you, know, I you know, presented your need. And every man is a friend to him that gives gifts. So somebody who's giving gifts, they, they get lots of people. They're, they, you know, they're, you know, they're freely giving gifts. They're going to have lots of friends. They're going to have lots of people coming to them. And then it says, All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? We already talked a little bit about that. The, you know, the, the, if you're you know, poor, you're, you're very, your very family gets tired of it. If you're always needing something with your family, they're going to get tired of seeing you coming around. And their friends, what little friends he has, will try to keep away from him. Will go, you know, and he, he pursues them with words, yet they are wanting to him. They're not going to give him. Uh, you know, they'll help you when you're, when you're really in poor. But if you're always in need, always taking, then they won't want you around. And we see this in families when they have gatherings together. If there's a family member who never brings anything to the get-togethers, you know, and then they're going to start saying, "Well, I don't want this person around. All they all they're here is for the food they can get from from us." And you know, and people understand if you don't have a lot of money, they're not expecting you to bring the the meat or all of this. You know, they may not even expect you to bring something every time. But if if every time you come to something empty-handed, yeah, I got you about a friend like that he's my buddy and I talk yeah, you've, about you've told me about the guy yeah that, that he brings a stale day, day old donuts and he thinks oh wow I had a big feast and all I did and then nobody ate my donuts so he took the donuts home with him you know right take his cookies and or his marbles and went home you know it's like gosh that's embarrassing you know and he gave yeah. Anyway, it's just a but joke, but you get to, yeah but you get to the place where you just don't even want to invite these kind of people to to yeah. anything after a while because they're just not you know being generous and sometimes God is looking for that generosity a little bit given to God can go a long ways and He returns that that generosity and this is why when we talk about giving to God it's how much or how little do you want to give to him? Are you giving him what he asks for? I mean, God has asked for tithes. And most people don't give their tithe. And then they wonder why God doesn't bless them because they're not being generous with what he's given them. And then they wonder why he's not being generous back. And then you start giving and God starts giving back. And it's the same thing in our, in our, in our world. When, you, when you're generous, people give back to you. When you're, when you're kind to people, you're going to get that kindness back. When you're, when, when you're being very stingy and tight, people start saying, well, I'm not giving anything to this person. And very important for us that this whole idea of reciprocation, of, yeah, reciprocation giving, giving. My friend said I was like this all the time, money. I was like this. He was like this. He was broke all the time, but he always was like this. He was always giving his money or spending it. 
He said, Mark, you're like this. You got to learn to do a little of this and not be so cheap at the coins, you know, the money. Mm -hmm. And you can go too far the other direction and give away everything, but I still think God's going to bless that. He's going to bless that desire more than somebody who's hanging on so tight to everything. Yeah, he was a chess player. He beat me all the time. He was very intelligent, and he taught me that lesson a long time ago, to be a little open. I mm -hmm. tithe, and I, I'm doing my tithe more now. That yeah. I can, and my life is being blessed more. Yes. And it's uh, a personal and it, experience. And it's important, you know, it, and it's so important to give that give God what He asks for, and and God says He wants our tithes and our offerings, which is anything above the tithe. And even when we don't have a lot, we give to God, and He blesses. And it is interesting sometimes when you give because you start receiving back. He He gives back, pressed down, shaken together. He tells us, you know, and He He compacts what He gives back to us and and pours it on us, you know. And so it's important to give. Verse 8, he that gets understanding loves his own soul, and he that under, that keeps understanding shall find good. And this word keep actually is 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 more of guard, you know, or, or acquires and first it says, He that acquires wisdom loves his own soul. How do we acquire wisdom? We get into God's word, we get into his truth. We start to understand who he is and what he's what he's talking about. We get that wisdom, that that understanding, and that says if you're getting wisdom, you're loving your soul. You're really seeking after God. You love your soul. He that keeps understanding or guards understanding shall find good, and that's understanding is part of that discernment. You know, who, the person who's discerning that is that has understanding applies that wisdom shall find good and that is basically because we're following God's way of doing things when we follow God's way of doing things good things happen uh, Romans 8 28 says for all things work together for good that are called called upon the Lord and a false witness shall not be unpunished and he that speaks lies shall perish and this is something that's important for us you know God does not take deception deception a false witness and this is talking about court they won't go unpunished but also lies shall perish. They shall, they shall die. You know, they, and this is dying in the future and even in, in, your, in your spirit you'll die. Uh, and God is very strong with this whole deception issue. And this has been, this chapter's covered it a couple of times. He's, that deception is what he's not going to allow. And when, when we did Leviticus and remember in Leviticus 5 he was talking about Lying even by omission, not telling the whole truth, right. is just as bad and as a lie in God's <coughs> sight. So there's no end to the deception. So um, a lie, there's just no end to it. Right. Um, and you know, sometimes, doggone it, Ralph, your word is your word, and I know that God's my defender, but sometimes that is very important to me. Mm -hmm. that I try to be truthful and, and even the sin of omission I'd rather keep my mouth shut and pray about it because not everything needs to be you know, out That's there true. but my goodness lies we know huh, how yeah, hurtful I don't like lies they hurt my feelings. It hurts our Lies are hard all the way around, and we're not just talking, you know, we're talking about just not people telling the truth, you know, and that's, and that's something that can hurt. It, oh, it really? destroys it. Uh, your witness, your life, uh, that's like rumors. So, 
But God will make sure that it's punished. Yeah. And this is what we've been talking about a lot in this. You guys aren't there, but we've been talking a lot about the idea of God makes sure that the punishment fits. And we, we were talking earlier, I mean, even when we see somebody and it looks like they're getting away with something, ultimately they'll never get away with it. They're going to answer to God, if not in this lifetime, when they stand before him on the white throne judgment. And your conscience, it's a hard thing to live with. If, if I can live before God and me and him are okay, none of this other stuff matters really. It doesn't know. Yep. I'm sorry I'm old and Verse 10, delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. And this word delight really means daintiness, the luxuries, the, the comforts. Right. Okay, this isn't, this isn't just delights, having a good time, and, which is also isn't, isn't good for the, this is isn't for the fool. This is, yeah. this is the idea of living in comfort, living, living, living in great comfort and ease is not seemly for a fool. One who's rejecting God and living in a, in a wrong lifestyle, comfort is not something that they should be getting. And it says, much less the servant to rule over the princess. And this is that idea that all of a sudden the servants of the, of the house would say, okay, we're in charge, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're no longer ruler of this house. And this goes into the whole picture of authority, and when you're in authority, you're the, the persons underneath, under authority aren't supposed to rule. And you could take this even toward uh, church, uh, the church, family, a business, anything. Any place where there's a, a position that is supposed to be honored in, as the authority right. and the person underneath that rules over them, then everything is, is backwards and it's not correct. I don't want to sound trite, but I believe that it's a blanket thing. This is God. This is who he is. Yes. And it, go, it just covers everything. It doesn't matter what the thing is. Well, God's, God's the ultimate authority. God's the ultimate authority, and then he gives authority to certain, in certain positions and says, these people, and then that authority is answerable to God for everything that goes on underneath them. And whether they release it to other people, you know, and this is where it gets critical. I did this in business. A lot of times I'd say, okay, you're in charge of this, this particular part of the business, but... I was the boss. I was still in charge. I was still the one that my boss is held accountable for. And I couldn't go, well, it's so-and-so, you know, well, it happens in business, but it's not supposed to. You know, it's their fault. Uh, yeah. But it's important. This, this whole picture of authority is important to God, whether it's in the business world, the, the government. But there's safety in it on some level. Like you being the past, you know, I've had service, but I dot my I's and cross my T's because ultimately it can hurt the Lord, the church, me, you, or or the person, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, and I don't want to get in trouble with, yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Um, then my word here at the church means nothing, bro. It's yeah. important to me that, um, but, but it is important on all so levels. Of for putting in, in yeah. Honoring authority is important at all levels and, and, and respecting them. 
because there there is great protection by being under authority. Uh, if somebody is under authority, and not that they doing something legal under the authority, but as long as it's under authority, you may think the person, the authority is doing something wrong, but they're the one that's going to answer to God. As long as it's not illegal, you know, but if they may be doing something you would not, you'd say, there's no way I would do that. And I've been in that position in my, in my past with pastors doing things that I'm going, you know, I wouldn't do that. That's not really, you know, but I had to be quiet and say, they're the one that's going to answer to God for what the direction they're going in. And you know, if it was so severe that I couldn't honor them in their position, then I would just leave, right. the, I would leave the church and I would go someplace else. And you know, I never really had anything that bad really going on in the pastors that I've known. Uh, but you, know, you look at it and say, well, I wouldn't do that that way. And you, and you just say, okay, well, then just be quiet. <laughs> You know, go if you want to go talk to the pastor and say, "Well, why are you doing this? I, I don't think it's a good idea." But, and at that point, you you just step back and, and be quiet. The same thing in a in a husband and wife situation. The husband is the one who's going to make the final decision, but the wife should have say in, you know, oh well, well dear, I really don't think that's a <laughs> very smart thing you do. And a good husband's going to listen to his wife because they're usually you know sees things as well. But ultimately, it's the man that has to be accountable for the decision that he makes or doesn't make, and and uh, you know, a wise husband takes his fam, you know, you know, takes the family's you know input and spiritual prayer and guidance, and and you know, may or may not go the way that, that the other one wants, but it ultimately that's the decision that has to be made, and he's accountable. But I, I think that we would spare ourselves so much more if we would just ask. His guidance. Yep. Yep. Even little things, you know, like painting the house. I'm so excited to see what God's doing in the family. And thank you, Lord, for deliverance and peace. And you know, whoever thought I'd be excited about paint. But I, I had gotten some paint the absolutely wrong color, from a cream color to a dark brown, but it was exactly what we needed. Mm. You know, I mean, the Lord gave me peace from the get. What am I going to do? Put 70 miles on my car to return paint. However, it was perfect, right? So God just knew. Deborah, I'm even going to take care of the little. I'm going to take care of this. It's not the paint itself. The paint is marvelous. It's just the process of it. Yeah. Of getting it done to the walls. And and the key the key to all of this is you hit it right. God is covering every little thing in our life. And the more we the more we trust him, the more we the more we put into his his account is is important. All right, we're gonna read a couple of verses starting at eleven. The discretion of a man defers his anger and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The king's wrath is as a roaring lion, but his favor is as the dew upon the grass. A foolish son is a calamity of his father, and the contentions, the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and the prudent wife is from the Lord. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. All right, discretion, the discretion of a man defers his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. And this is kind of a really interesting one. You know, the discretion, the understanding, the application of God's rules of a man defers his anger. 
right. you know, when you think about it, you just stop, you think about it, you look for wisdom. Uh, the, worst thing, the worst thing you can do is sometimes is just strike out real quick and angry and you'll do something, do or say something that you're going to regret. Forever. For, forever, yeah. possibly, yeah. or for a long time, or... Oh, no, I never put my toe in it. <laughs> so, yes. But that whole idea, you want to defer your anger, just wait. We get the kind of idea of count to ten, you know, before you say something, you know. Sometimes, uh, it's, to count to 10. sometimes it's like, well, that's... And it gets done. But, but if you don't take that time, you'll end up definitely saying something that, you re, that you'll regret or doing something that you'll regret. Maybe destroying a friendship because of harsh, harsh quick words. Uh, putting a crank in it. And then the, the second half of this, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The glory to pass over transgression. And this goes to the way that God talks about so often. He that hides the cover sins is showing love. We, when we really love somebody, we're going to cover over their sin. We're not, you know, we're not lifting it up and throwing it up in their face. We're not throwing it up into the neighborhood and say, hey, everybody, you know, this is, this is what this person's doing. And, you know... It's like the kid backing up with his cloak and covering his naked dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cover. You know, not to. I, I, yeah, right. That's the same principle. The same principle. Yeah. The idea of not it. <laughs> not glorying in their transgression. You know that, and this is the flesh's way. Somebody did wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, really make sure. If nothing else, I'm gonna rub their nose in it. Or, boy, I would. Yeah. But then the flesh wants to attack. The flesh wants to, to really make somebody feel bad because they've made a mistake. Right. And this, and the use transgression here, I mean, it's not just talking about a little, little thing. They're talking about something that's a major yeah. fault. And so it is the glory to pass over it. Sometimes the best thing we can do is not make excuses for their sin, not, not say that it was good or okay that they did that, but not to make a big deal out of it. Because God doesn't do that with us. He covers our sins, our transgressions in the blood. He is not up there looking at us, you know, and this is, I talk about this a lot. He's not the big guy with the beard upstairs on the, in the sky with a great big baseball bat waiting for us to do something wrong to pound us over the head. That's not God. He loves us. Jesus paid for our sins. And he's just waiting for us to be able to come to him and be loved and say, I love my child enough to say, I'm not going to say that what you did is good. I'm not going to say that what it is, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to cover it with the blood. We need to get to that point where we understand that the more we start looking at people with the love of God, the easier this verse gets. The easier it is to, to defer anger because I'm looking at them and saying, it's forgiven. God has covered it, so I need to cover it. We need to fully understand how much God has forgiven us so that we will forgive others. It's real hard to be hard on somebody when I realize that I'm just as big a sinner or worse yes. than they are. Oh, yeah. You know, Start getting critical. Doesn't the Lord put that Holy Ghost near in front of you? He does me. As long they as you're go, following him. Yeah, say, oh, really, Deborah? So, but that's because he loves me yes. and us. And, 
And sometimes we're not even, it's the deception, it's the lies, Satan's the author of all lies. We may be, you know, thinking something wrongly for so long, long that doesn't even appear big, and, but it is. Which is, why, which is why we've got to be in God's Word as, yes. as much as we can. We need to be taught as much as we can because we need to see these things. And it's so important that we are covering transgressions. We don't build those up. We don't, we don't look at people we know and say, you know, keep those transgressions in front of us. And this is what we've been talking a lot about. You know, how do we forget something? We quit rehearsing it. We quit thinking about it. We pass over it. The more we rehearse some some negative thing in, in our life or somebody else's life, the more it stays fresh in our mind. So if you're going to be rehearsing things, rehearse the good things about people. Rehearse the good things that are going on in your life. 